When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead. Take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. Ryan Fraser delivers right-footed to the front post. Flicked on by Steve Cook and into the far corner. Bournemouth back in the game. It may have taken a deflection on his way into the goal, but the Cherries won't care. They're down to ten men, but they reduce the deficit to just one. Bournemouth one, Wolves two. Good morning and welcome to another episode of Back of the Net, the AFC Bournemouth podcast. With me is Jeff Hayward. My name's Sam Davis, of course, and we're going to be going over Saturday's match very shortly against Wolverhampton Wanderers and, of course, preview next week's affair as well against Tottenham Hotspur. Before that, though, we just wanted to quickly point you towards a competition that's going to be closing today. If you're listening on Monday morning when this is released, uh, we've got an amazing art of football print. It's unframed, but you can frame it yourself. And what it is, is uh, an amazing A4 print of AFC Bournemouth shirts of yesteryear. So we're talking uh, the Wembley Seawood kit, Nolan, uh, the Frizzell kit. Now, that was a solid red and black striped kit, wasn't it? The yellow coaches away. The the blue and black striped focal point five. I loved that kit, actually. Uh, the Frizzell pizza kit, uh, the Cabrini sportswear. Um, really cool print. And just wanted to let you know the competition closes for that this afternoon at 5pm. So... To enter, just go to our Twitter stream and uh, look for the pinned tweet. With that, you just got to like the Art of Football account and then retweet it. On Facebook, do something similar, but just leave a comment. And the same on Instagram as well. You can actually leave comments on all of them to enhance your chances. So why not enter more than once by doing it on, just on Twitter, by going to Facebook and Instagram as well. Uh, the handle for everywhere socially is at AFCB podcast. Now, of course, just a reminder that if you'd like to see the chat between me and Jeff, it's on our YouTube channel now. So if you want to do that, just go to youtube.com slash AFCB podcast. 
Okay, so we're going to go over Wolves shortly. It's Spurs next week, though. So let's have a related do you remember question. Now, this question, I would say, is pretty damn easy. Um, there were a pair of brothers. If I just say that, you probably know the answer already. Bournemouth, Spurs. One of them started his career at Spurs. Uh, didn't really get anywhere, but then played 430 games for AFC Bournemouth over the course of 14 years, scoring three goals. His younger brother, well, he started his career at Spurs as well. Made waves in the Premier League, but then also went on to play for Charlton, Middlesbrough, Aston Villa and QPR. Having a stint for the England national team as well in the under-18s, 21s and also the full senior squad too. So all I'm going to ask you is name the brothers who have both got this Bournemouth and Spurs connection. You know, right? The answer is going to be at the end of the show. So once again, I was at the Vitality on Saturday, armed with my dictaphone, trying to get in some raw match audio. I just about managed to do that. So here are some sounds from Dean Court over the weekend, and we follow this up with your fans' thoughts. Now, just a quick note before I play out the raw audio. There is some swearing this week. Uh, obviously, couldn't control my anger at the situation, so I throw three or four F-bombs. So if you've got children listening, uh, you just might want to skip this forward about three minutes and get on to the fans' reactions. So apologies for that, but I am trying to just basically give you an experience of what it's like for me and others in the stadium. So you have been warned. Hey, oh my fucking God. Would you fucking believe it? Direct free kick, far post, beat Ramsdale. How the fuck did that happen? Coutinho, would you believe it? Down the right flag, squares. Easy tapping. Easy tapping. We are awful. Absolutely awful. Carved us open. Fucking wake up! And you can hear the reaction. It's not good. Podcast on this shit. Oh my god. Well, this ain't any easier, is it? Come on, Kelly Wilson! 
Hamilton. to the far side of the net, Bournemouth, and pulled one back, 2-1. Steve Cook with the goal. Cracking goal for Bournemouth, 2-1. What, Cookie? Call the ball though. Oh, my goodness me. Cookie feeding Ake. Good save by the keeper. Cookie with the rebound. Cleared. Bournemouth corner. Oh, Dan Juma. Last minute chance set up by Callum Wilson. Blazed over the bar. Bloody hell, Dan Juma. That was it. That was our chance. Hey, it's Claire Carlin here, North Stand season ticket holder after today's game against Wolves. Rather disappointing the first half. I don't know what we were doing. We were absolutely, to be honest, shambolic. Um, we were sloppy. We were all over the place. We were giving the ball away. We lacked creativity. Um, and to be honest, they could have quite ca- easily capitalised and got another couple. And I think that would have been completely game over. Obviously, the result in the end kind of did mean it game over. But I think we came out in the second half. We had a lot more fight, a lot more spirit, and we were a lot more courageous. We've just got to keep going. And it's disappointing that Francis went, um, obviously, with a red card. But I don't think he's quick enough. I think he's too slow. Um, at the moment for many, many of the games and I just don't think he's quite cutting the pace um, in our league at the moment so that's a shame Um, I do think though that our second half was quite courageous at half-time, I was pretty disappointed with how we'd we'd played so obviously the team talk at half-time did make a difference there's not a lot more to say about it really I just hope that we can capitalise on them bring that second half performance and that second half team into Tottenham which I'm sure is a game that many of us are all going to be looking forward to first our home game for Jose Mourinho and also our very first visit to Spurs new stadium is certainly going to be well up there for our fans and just hope we can go in with that second half spirit up the cherries in all departments uh, yesterday um, it looked like an occasion where concerns about the opposition muddles the thinking of a coach um, I thought tactically we were an absolute shambles from the first minute of the game I couldn't work out what system we were playing for the first few minutes and evidently neither could the players. Um, it looked like a 4-3-3 or 3-4-3 variation, but it was quite fluid. Um, it was hard to see what we were doing um, and there was a 10-minute spell actually in the first half where Fraser and Smith, who were both ended up on the right-hand sides, were spending most of their time trying to work out what they were doing. Uh, they had an argument at one point, um, but they seemed to be doing more talking than actually playing. What I thought was inexcusable in the first half was to see a team working harder than us. Uh, That said, they had better players. They reacted quicker than us in most situations um, and they seemed more organised. Right, the Frano selection for me seemed one based on loyalty. Um, I complained about his lack of pace last week at Newcastle and it was exposed um, for the first goal in his booking. The second goal, we went to sleep. 
Um, and I actually thought at 2-0, uh, Billing gave up, um, and he's been brilliant all season. Ake at one point had to effectively G him up and get him going, putting his arm around him and um, giving him a little pep talk. I also thought Lewis Cook was poor uh, during the first half. Um, he looks some way off the player we know he can be, um, and he didn't take his chance. The second half was much better, um, but there was an irony about the fact that we played some decent football once we reverted to our usual um, 4-4-2, albeit with obviously one player up front. After a pretty lamentable first half performance where we couldn't look after the ball, I thought Callum uh, Wilson played well in the second half. Dan Juma had an impact, and in my opinion he deserves to be starting, and Ramsdale kept us in the game. Um, nothing needs to be said about Lerma, I thought he was outstanding again, but also what struck me about him was the fact that he speeded up the tempo of our play, something that was really lacking in the first half. So anyway, my summary, I don't say it very often, but I thought Eddie was to blame for the first half, but also our inability to put in a decent performance for 90 minutes is costing us in, in lots of games. And I think the table could look worrying in three games' time. Thanks very much. Bye. Yeah, it wasn't great at all. Uh, I put on Twitter earlier, I think um, you know, both teams played that formation. We played that formation to match up to them. We did our scouting. But did we did we practice it? I mean, it just looked like we didn't know what we were doing out there. And they really did. I mean, they were making passes without looking at some time. So, uh, yeah, not for us that at all. <laughs> Game of two halves, pretty much. There's, the first half we were dire. And um, I think the sending off actually did us a favour for the second half. So we came out with a bit more passion, a bit more fight, a um, bit of an underdog spirit, about, a bit like the old days. And I think that was what saw us through the second half, but not quite enough to put two past them, unfortunately. So there you go, those were the fans' thoughts from the weekend. Thank you to everyone that got in touch, Ashley and Claire, for submitting the clips afterwards. Really appreciate that. And also the people I spoke to on the day too. Not a good result for Bournemouth then at the weekend. It was the manner of that first half performance that has left everyone reeling. And Jeff, uh, how are you feeling? Ruined my weekend. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> I know. That's your three-word um, match report. <laughs> I, I, yeah, I don't. I don't think um, I'm going to be speaking out of turn. Where I, I've had a premonition it was going to be a tough game for us, and then when it materialised, um, I mean, I'd, 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 I'd sort of, I couldn't sleep very well last night because I was still mulling it over, thinking, how did that happen? Really, how did it happen? It it really wasn't good, and it's probably one of the first, one of the worst first forty fives that I've seen in quite a while this season. I mean, Arsenal probably rivaled it. However, that was just abject and poor, and it's just the way we lined up to start with made me think. Hang on, we're showing them a bit too much respect. But what was happening was Eddie was trying to match their three four three formation. By the looks of it, he was um, didn't work. Look, there's lots of uh, glib football punditry out there and you can easily uh, drop into cliches about it where um, you say we gave them too much respect. You know, we we tried to match their formation, which tactically was the the right thing to do. But but clearly, I think it wasn't Uh, clearly 
Eddie made mistakes and hats off to him. You know, he's held up his hand and said, I got it wrong. Um, however, um, it, it kind of betrays some deeper problems, I think, that we've got um, with the way the team is set up, the mix and blend of the players that we've got. We've got a deeper, better squad than ever before. The challenge now is making the 11 players on the pitch actually play as a, a unit. And I was thinking about it yesterday, comparing it to it's a jigsaw we've got. We've got some great pieces, but they don't all fit together in the right way. Um, and that was yesterday in a nutshell, compounded by the fact that you've got a manager that's been with us for a long time. Eddie's worked with a lot of those players. He knows a lot of those players really well, particularly those that came up from the championship with us. Um, loyalty is a great virtue. You know however, where you you know yeah, where I'm going yeah. with this, don't you? Yeah. However, misplaced loyalty with those that got you there, Simon Francis, who you're alluding to, tremendous servant for the club. Uh, you know, was instrumental in our championship season and even in the early stages of the Premier League. Absolutely superb. But every time he's played this season, there's always been a problem, or fans have questioned Eddie Howe's decision, and he's almost like he's trying to shoehorn him in at any given sort of opportunity and playing three at the back. I, I feel sorry for Chris Meppham. I know that uh, Eddie Howe doesn't particularly like using Chris Meppham in a three and thinks he's not very effective there. But what chance is he going to have when Cook and Nathan Ake are pretty much irreplaceable? But Francis was shoehorned in, so he was one of the three central defenders. And then you had this sort of wing-back style where they joined the midfielders of Lewis Cook and Philip Billing, which... Again, I thought was a bit of a surprise considering they are so similar as footballers. I honestly thought if Lerma wasn't ready, I, I thought he would have put Dan Gosling in there. But it didn't seem to be the case. And then up front we had uh, Harry Wilson out wide again, pinned to that right flank where he's ineffective. Fraser on the other side. Um, but from the off, it just didn't work, did it? It didn't. Um believe that Eddie is guilty of overthinking things if you take it back two games where we played Manchester United we didn't worry about them we played 4-4-2 played to our strengths and we beat them yesterday we were more worried about them the unhealthily uh, over worried I thought um, because actually when we got at them in the second half I mean we'll come on to the game analysis in a minute but we showed that we could get at them and it was old-fashioned virtues, old-fashioned Bournemouth virtues, not trying to be fancy, trying to match their tactics and trying to be the the sort of uh, antidotes to them. It was, it was about playing to our strengths, getting the ball forward quickly, putting pressure on them, set pieces, one of our strengths this season. That's, that's what was causing them problems. Yeah, and uh, it's funny because chatting to Helen before the game on the preview, um, you yourself went for a 2-1 win. I think most uh, Bournemouth fans were thinking uh, this this is going to be a harder match than Manchester United. Um, but I still think the respect that we paid them was a little bit sort of misplaced. But they were all over us in the first half. I can't really remember us fashioning any decent chances apart from a, a sort of header that uh, slid off the side of uh, Callum Wilson's head and out wide 
side. Other than that, there was absolutely nothing. But we were caught napping, weren't we, for both of our goals. First one, Frano. Yeah, um, I mean, that that ball to Jota. I mean, Jota caused him problems all that first half, you know, and uh, tell me, um, Sam, when have we played the back three and when has it worked this season? Yeah. When? Uh, yeah, it, 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 it hasn't. Even you pick Mepham there, it doesn't work. We're not very good at it. The players aren't comfortable no. playing that way. We lose the ball in midfield. They they play a quick through ball, is outpaced, um, bad tackle, you know, going to ground that early. Arguably, Jota saw him go, saw him go to ground and thought, I'm going to get the foul here um, because he, pay, he basically kicked the ball out, it seemed to me. You know, he didn't have any great belief yeah. that he was going to do anything with it if he got past him, which makes you think, just such a rash tackle to do. And... Um, why we shifted to that formation because Traore was causing problems on the other flank as well. Um, it was clear that the whole kind of idea of playing three at the back with the two wingbacks push forward to push them back was not working. In fact, all it was doing was creating space down our flanks that they, that Traore and Giotto were exploiting, which they did exploit. Um, why Why did we change it from a back four? The back four yeah. of recent times has been one of our key strengths. They, yeah. they they understand each other. They're playing better together. If anything, what he should have done yesterday, tactically, I'm sure he's thinking about it, but in my view, play an extra midfielder. That's what you needed to do because the way that Wolves play is Moutinho, Neves, Jota, breaking from midfield, running at pace, and... I'm sorry, Simon Francis doesn't have that pace anymore. Adam Smith is better at right back to cope mm. with that sort of attack, and play play a, a, a play Gosling in the middle. I don't know why he didn't pick Lerma from the start because you know yeah. the, the difference he made was unbelievable. So just make it harder for them to play through our midfield. That's the game they play. You play three big centre halves if they're lobbing the ball forward like Burnley and they've got two sort of six foot two strikers. Don't play someone who's good in the air against someone who's who's fast and skillful. Mm. It it doesn't make sense to me. Uh, we've been you know aside from the Newcastle game, we've been fairly solid with our four at the back. I mean, having those uh, clean sheets was was absolutely fantastic for us. Uh, and then you know you're put in a position. For instance, Rico didn't really seem to know where he was supposed to be. No. I think there was a bit of a, some miscommunication there, uh, as Neil Dawson alludes to later on, um, and on a previous YouTube video. He seemed to think he should be in a certain position, but the players thought he should be elsewhere. And there were a number of times uh, where on both sides, players were getting caught out. And even for their second goal, Harry Wilson was there, flat-footed. And Traore, we mentioned his pace, didn't we? It was such an easy goal when you look at it, uh, that routine. And Eddie Howe is going to be absolutely kicking himself at conceding a goal like that. Completely. Um, players like certainty. Players like to know what their job is. Wolves, they've been playing that formation for a long time. That's the way they play. They all feel comfortable in it. It works for them brilliantly. We needed to play the 4-4-2 or play... I, th I thought actually yesterday he could have played an extra midfielder and just, just had Callum up front. That would have been better because it would have compressed that middle more and made it more challenging for them. 
but whatever do not switch to a back three when the back four has actually been pretty good it's been one of our strengths the reason why we lost at Newcastle was two really bad defensive errors and they, we, we were a bit sloppy the players in the back four were a bit off the pace but that's not a reason to jettison it it's a reason to think right guys this is a chance for you to put things right I want a really solid performance and the other problem with playing that 3-4-3 is that defensively, Harry Wilson is not very good. We saw it again yesterday. It's not a natural role for him. He's not a, he's not a box-to-box midfielder like Brooks is. Brooks will defend well yeah. in that sort of scenario. Harry Wilson is not that player. And we're trying to shoehorn him, him in to be Brooks too. It's not working. And so... Okay, you could have played Dan Juma from the start yesterday, who is a better, you know, he's better at covering. You could have played Dan Juma. You could have played um, Harry Wilson just off Callum Wilson. And actually, that would probably have given us more goal threat yesterday. Do you think Eddie Howe's guilty of trying to uh, trying too hard at shoehorning players into certain positions over the years? Uh, obviously, Tyrone Mings started off as a left-sided defender, well, left-back. Um, you know, granted, you could say maybe in the long run that's been successful because he's playing there for England. He's doing it for Aston Villa. But there are certain players at the moment, we, we seem to be persisting in players where they are the least effective. And Harry Wilson, as you... As you mentioned, he is so good for Wales when he's running down the middle of the, the, that central spine of the pitch. I, I think I've said that word central spine for the past three or four podcasts. Uh, but he's constantly put out on that right hand side where he's only effectively got half a pitch to play and he can only go into the left. Um, whereas when he's been playing for Wales, he can go left, he can go right. And he's been a menace for them. Um, do you think sometimes he's almost too... Uh, you know, too insistent of trying to make players into players that they're not? Well, you can see what happens when we experiment and players don't know what their role is and it it fell apart in that first half yesterday quite clearly. Um, So to an extent, I understand that the system is the system, but patently when a player doesn't fit within that system, you have to be flexible you have to you have to you have to see that and mm. um like i said earlier there's a lot of glib punditry out there and, and uh, anyone can criticize what went on yesterday with the benefit of hindsight um you you can see it i think what's worrying is the fact that you can see the same thing being repeated and it's like guys eddie uh jason are you not listening are you not seeing what we're seeing and thinking We've got to change it. And if you are trying to change it, the players aren't listening. It's it's just mm. not fitting together in the right way. Um, and and I thought the 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 first mm. goal, um, you know, it's a fantastic strike from Moutinho. Credit to them. You know, he's a, he's a classy player. Their midfield players are classy classy shooters. He scored a great goal, but giving the foul away was cheap. Giving the foul away on Traore was a cheap foul, but we were fouling them so much because they were causing us so many problems. And then it's compounded by the fact that Harry Wilson can't defend. The rest of the back four switched off. You know, Ake was about two yards behind when uh, when he scored. And you think, well, you know, it's it's a it's a situation bred from the players feeling we don't know what our role is. We're not comfortable playing this new system. We don't quite believe that we're set up in the right way and therefore 
we're a bit kind of uh, lacking in intensity, lacking in the energy, lacking in the team play that we needed to cause them problems. And the biggest uh, problem of all was the one you mentioned earlier. What, one effort on goal in that entire first half? A home game? Yeah, it was shocking. It, it was really bad. But, you know, irony of ironies, the way, well, maybe it's not ironic, the way we got better was by losing a man. And Simon Francis with, a, you know, a cynical foul. The referee did well, actually, with that. Let the play continue. Uh, and Wolves, you know, could have really scored a third when it was flashed across goal. And then he pulled it back and... It was a red. Simon Francis goes. We've got to change how we play. And I think we had about seven or eight minutes, um, which we managed to see out. But then we came out like a different side in the second half. Well, two of the players were different. Uh, Lerma was brought in. Uh, We had a bit of Dan Gosling later on, but also Dan Juma as well. So it's nice to see him get a decent amount of minutes. And uh, he really impressed me in the second half. He was very impressive. He was he was quick. Uh, I mean, he could have been playing for Wolves, couldn't he? Because he was that good. You know, he was he he caused them problems. He could he could do the unpredictable things. He had a really good dribble in that second half. Um, his vision was was good. He defended well. He helped out. You know, we were. I, th- I think moving moving Smith to play a more defensive role would suited us better as well. Because um, he was back to what he knows he's good at. It sort of made Rico better as well, didn't you think, in that second half? You know, that he knew, yeah. right, I'm playing left back. I know how to do that role. This is what I do. Um, Dan Juma helped. Jefferson Lerma, um, I think we said it a couple of podcasts ago, you know, who's going to be our biggest miss if, if somebody goes? It's him, isn't it? Because yeah, you, it is. saw, you saw by replacing uh, Billing, who who was a bit off the pace yesterday. I don't know, was he playing for Denmark last week? Because I I wasn't sure whether he was actually playing internationally. Yeah, you know what? I'm not actually sure. I don't think he did in the second, but because uh, usually they have two fixtures over international break, and certainly in the second of them he didn't. Uh, so mm. I'm not sure about the first one. Uh, I I thought he was um, he he was half the player after he got booked. Uh, yeah. And yeah. <laughs> unfortunately, he's just a little bit too timid with you know going in for the challenges. And I mean, yeah. it was a it was a very cynical yellow that he got. Uh, you know, deserved. Yeah. Um, and. You know, it was the right decision to take him off. And that's what Eddie Howe did, yeah. I think, in one of the previous matches this season as well, where he got booked. Uh, he didn't want to risk losing him. Um, but then, yeah, you know, Lerma came on and, you know, I thought was brilliant. But I-, I was very surprised with Wolves in the second half because I thought they would, you know, go on and try to cement their 2-0 win. But they almost sat back a bit and they invited a lot of pressure. And, you know, we were a lot better in the second half. We weren't... Um, you know, I don't think we were brilliant, but we we certainly did our jobs, uh, you know, much better. Scored a goal to get back into it, and you know, arguably could have could have come away with a point because Ake had that uh, sort of late chance, didn't he? That sort of almost scissor kick volley. Yeah, small margins, eh? Because he hits that either side of uh, Patricio. That's a goal, uh, and then Dan Juma, last kick of the game, pretty much that. Pass through from Wilson, just got a bit too much pace on it. He forces him a bit wider. But you, you, again, you'd think, wrap your foot around that and you're going to hit the target at least. Um, mm. Two really good chances in the last five minutes and we could have sneaked away with an amazing draw. Um, Wolves, I think, were happy to try and hit us on the break. And, yeah, you know, they did cause us quite a few problems. Um, but the 
again the difference the difference between the way they play and the way we play when we play three at the back it just makes us feel like we're playing five at the back almost mm. and we just yeah. are really passive we invite the opposition onto us and it feels like we lose that counter-attacking threat because we just play the ball so slowly it, mm. we, it, it doesn't work for us whereas when we were four it feels like at least we know what we're about and we know what we're doing when they play three at the back oh my goodness you know they were picking up the balls that we were losing yeah. in their third and it's Boom! It's straight down the field. Jota was again, I thought, fantastic. Moutinho yeah. was um, was a terrific player. They called him out on match of the day, and quite rightly so. I thought he had a terrific game, and we didn't really know how to cope. So they looked full of threat, even though they sat back and sort of thought, "Well, you know, come on, come yeah. on, come on," but we'll catch you on the break. And they very nearly did. Uh, star player for me yesterday was Rambo again. Yeah, Actually. yeah, that's right. And he, you know, he kept us in it really because uh, there was a shot he saved in the second half, which uh, he managed to sort of palm wide. And that was another. I mean, I record these little voice clips on my phone for the podcast for the sort of raw match audio, and I sort of name them. So I, you know, I call it two nil, or you know, your sort of Mutinho goal or whatever. And there were a number of clips I just named Wolves counter because. We had a corner and then they fled up the pitch and they, they're so fluid. Um, they've got a dynamism, uh, almost a sort of elasticity in their team that can enable them to just, you know, sort of you know, go forward as a unit, but like at will. Whereas when we do it, it, it's just not the same. And it hasn't been the same for a long, long time. And I can't, can't truly put my finger on what it is. I mean, one thing I would definitely say, Josh King was a, was a huge miss yesterday. Yeah. Yeah, I think I think we do miss him. And uh, Solanke, I think, uh, pulled something, didn't he, in the half-time warm-up? Because he would have come on, you'd have thought. Mm. He, he would have inevitably uh, come on to bolster the side in the second half. But um, Callum, again, was better in the second half. But it, it, it's, it's not working. It's, it's down to Eddie to sort out. He's under probably quite a lot of pressure. I think what he's done, he's probably thought we had real problems conceding goals last year, so I'm going to sort that out. And that has been at the expense of actually going forward and causing any problems to the opposition in the way that we used to. We used to start games last season, the first 15 minutes, you you knew we would fly at teams and we would put them under all sorts of pressure, get the crowd going, get the crowd behind us, and it would be a different vibe in the stadium. Yesterday, watching it, it was like, I don't know, I think I messaged you saying it's been coming because yeah. that first 20, 25 minutes, we just we just sort of were accepting of them having the ball to an extent that you thought, we're going to get killed here. Yeah, what's quite depressing is that when teams previously in the Premier League have been on bad runs of form, for instance, even Sunderland when they were relegated, uh, they you know they were awful, but they had their striker still scoring, and that was Jermaine Defoe who was popping up regularly. We're not getting that at all, and I was thinking about it before the game. I'm thinking Harry Wilson is our biggest goal threat on the pitch, which is kind of scary considering how he how he dips in and out of games, because Callum Wilson doesn't look like scoring, Ryan Fraser not at all, our midfield aren't famed for goals, and lo and behold, it was actually a defender that got our goal yesterday. Um, 2-1, it was the right result, wasn't it? it? Do you think it maybe even flattered us? I agree, it did flatter us. Um, 
if we if we play like that uh we are seriously going to be in trouble i think this season because um again we've said it before scoring one goal a game is not good enough so we need to be more clinical with those chances when they do come along um and i don't want to be sat here on another podcast saying we could have got a draw we could have got a draw or we could have won that if we'd have taken our chances but that's what it feels like every game for the last sort of well save the united game which actually we should have probably won by two goals because we were that much better but um, Norwich, Watford, uh, Newcastle, and yesterday, we could have got more points than we did. And that is very worrying um, because it can turn into a, a snowball effect, really, of just losing momentum and losing losing points. Um, we, we can't afford to concede points because, as you and I both know, we now have Liverpool... Tottenham and Chelsea yeah. in quick order. Yeah, uh, we could be we could be dropping like a stone uh, if we if we don't manage to sort of pick up points. I've said how congested it is beneath us in the table. Um, it's it's absolutely scary. But I still see on some forums and some glass half full uh, yeah, Twitterers they look at the league table as almost like a gauge or a barometer of uh, can I. Uh, you know, criticise and, you know, we're in 10th or whatever it is. After the rest of the weekend's games, we may drop further, not sure. However, surely it's the performances that are worrying. You know, you're looking at the table, we can still criticise and the next few games, I think, will make a a lot of people wake up and smell the coffee that uh, things are not rosy. That position meant absolutely nothing. We were 7th for a bit, 8th, ninth. it meant nothing. When you don't actually win matches that are winnable matches and then you're doing you know Wolves at home it's it's always going to be a tough game if we emerged with a draw yesterday that you know that would have been great but we are not as consistent as we are were even last season I would say and I think it's a real worry things need to change I I can't wait for Brooks to be back but apparently he's going to be uh, a few more weeks now as well so you know, ahead of the Spurs match, Jeff, how on earth are we going to be optimistic about this? Uh, well, Gosling's back, and that was great to see him. And I think he is uh, underrated, but an integral part of that team. Um, I mean, he, obviously, he's got to keep taking uh, Ryan out for dinner, you know, keep Ryan mm. happy, which will be an important part of his job. <laughs> um, yeah. So as Nathan, please walk your dogs with him. Do something to get yeah, him yeah, get please, him back. But we we need we need to get that that team spirit back. It felt a bit like uh, there were there weren't enough players on that pitch in the first half who really cared to uh, to win the game and put in the performance that we need. The hard yards and uh, that again, the team spirit's been an excellent part of the way we play over the last couple of seasons. We need that back. We need that. That desire, which was there for the United game, wasn't wasn't really there in that first half at all. Um, and and it's it's um, yeah, it's hard to put your finger on. I think when he the positive thing is that when he does get it right, it will be good because you know the mm. players are good. You know that we can play. Um, Josh is out for a couple of weeks though, isn't he? So what's he going to do? Mm. Presumably Solanke won't be fit to play next week. So it's going to be Callum again, out of form Callum. Yeah. 
Um, and yeah, you know, it's 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 not easy to put it all together and think, right, what what is going to work? Absolutely, Rambo in goal, back four. Absolutely, don't mess about now. Let's that back four is is the way we play. In fact, I was talking to a, a Brighton fan yesterday who was going off to the Leicester game. He said to me that uh, the problem with Hewton was that he always tried to win games 1-0, which ended up getting Brighton into trouble and losing a lot of games 2-1, funnily enough. Mm. Sounds familiar. Um, and <laughs> what, what Potter's done at Brighton is develop a style. This is the way we play. That's what we used to have. We were very mm. brave on the ball. And you talk to lots of fans who don't really watch us a lot and they'll say, oh, yeah, Bour- Bournemouth will suit us because they come on to us, they attack and everything. And you and I both know, and any- anybody listening to this podcast will know, mm, that's not really been the Bournemouth I've been watching for the last six or seven weeks. So mm. maybe we just need to rediscover being brave, being fearless on the ball. It's an attitude. It's a mindset. It's a positivity that we need to get back. That is connected to personnel. It's connected with the the team believing in the way we're set up to play. Uh, it's players playing in positions they feel comfortable in. So, you know, jigsaw puzzle. It's not going to be easy. He's got a job mm. to do. We have a difficult run of fixtures. We have a couple of players that are coming back that will be helpful in all of that. Um, but it's not going to be easy. Hi, I'm Dan Gosling, and you're listening to Back of the Net. Friend of the show, Dan Gosling there. I I actually saw him, I bumped into him in Coffee Saloon in Westbourne and had a a chat about the situation. That was before the... I know it was after the Newcastle game, actually, and said he was very disappointed but hoping to get some minutes in and it was great when he was on the pitch that usual engine in the middle of the park so Dan hopefully you'll be on the field again against Spurs because we certainly need you there so as you may have seen by our YouTube channel if you go to youtube.com forward slash AFCB podcast the chat that you've just listened to between myself and Jeff is uploaded in video format but also there has been an extended post-match reaction from Neil Dawson who also is providing us with his player ratings too so we're going to slip this one into the podcast as a bit of audio bonus so we're going to go through all of the squad and Neil it's it's a very tough match to call because it wasn't a great one and I'm I'm sure there's going to be one low score in there pretty bad uh, but we'll start with Aaron Ramsdale uh, I think you'll give him a seven I think he um, he did some tremendous blocks in the first half coming out um, and uh, his save in the second half it wasn't as good as uh, in the when I wrote the report I said it was world class that's because I only ever I watched the game once yeah. on live <laughs> yeah. when I seen it back it wasn't world class yeah. but he his positioning was excellent mm. and uh, and he, he you know he made two great saves in the second half and long may it, long may it continue I was talking to a Wimbledon fan in the week who was just so eager to find out how Ram, what I thought of Ramsdale and because I didn't realise what a legend he is and oh, we yeah. wouldn't, they adore him. Oh so. yeah, I think uh, that siege mentality uh, that he helped instill into the squad and yeah, they stayed up as a result of a string of great performances. I think he kept a number of clean sheets as well and uh, it, like, in the end they were quite safe. Um, so yeah, Ramsdale, I agree with seven for that. What about Adam Smith? Um, Smith, I thought he... 
he got a little bit lost in the role that he was supposed to play. There was a time in the first half when Francis kept arriving into the area that you thought Smith should be in. Um, and I think Smith then wasn't quite sure where to go. So the mm. two of them ended up quite close together. It was part of just the general car crash of, of, of tactics in the first half. Um, and in the second half, he was uh, he was a little bit better, but I, I didn't think it was vintage Smith, so no. I, g- I gave him a five. Yeah, and uh, Cook and Ake, I know she gave Ake a six and Cook a, s- a seven. Can you explain that? Yeah, I think Ake um, was caught in two minds a couple of times against Trollray, and then yeah. he, he also had... Uh, Doherty arriving at different positions and I think that whole the, I mean Wolves are brilliant at doing that they throw people into positions that you're not expected and that leaves the person marking them wondering do they go with them or do yeah, they yeah. mark the space and I think Ake got caught in a couple of mines whereas Cook was in his natural position centre half with only one proper centre half that we played yesterday so he looked more comfortable and he scored and he yeah. did his usual thing of trying to get the crowd going yeah, and, and he, nice great you know great he, he's the guy's a legend isn't he and um and I think Ake was, was was all right, but he just was caught a little bit out on the left. So. Yeah. Uh, Rico, um, obviously you said he had a bit of a shaky start, uh, which he did, and uh, you're giving him a six. Uh, I would say that's pretty fair, but he did grow yeah. into the game. Yeah, he grew into the game. When he was put back in his left-back slot, he, he knew what he was doing. In the first half, I, I, I felt terribly sorry for him because I think, I don't know, you'd have to ask them, but I think the players on the pitch were giving him different instructions to what he'd received oh, before okay, the game. Right, yeah. Because you could see him keep shouting at them, no, I'm supposed to be yeah, here. this is where I'm going to be, yeah. And both um, Ake and Lewis Cook, on a couple of occasions in the first half, gave him a right rollicking for saying you should be here, you should be there. And he kept saying, no, I should be here. Mm. I mean, it's like watching a pub team. Yeah. But, but the... So, back at left-back in the second half, I thought he was he made some great runs, some good balls down the line. He's starting to show little bits with Fraser. Mm. So, a six. Yeah. Simon Francis... <laughs> What score do you think he was deserves? Well, yesterday? I think if you get sent off, you always get a three or a four, yeah. don't you? And um, so that you know that's that just goes without saying. And I, I think a three because before he got sent off, he also gave away the first goal, so mm. gave away a goal, um, got sent off. It's only on the pitch twenty minutes. Yeah, your standout midfielder. We'll rattle through these, but your standout midfielder was uh, Lewis Cook. Uh, out of the four, Lewis Cook was the one that impressed you the most. It seems. Yeah, not. I mean, standouts probably um, generous. Eulogising it, it a yeah. bit. Yeah, he was. He was <laughs> I gave him a six. So I think he he tried to keep the ball moving. He tried to do the right things. I think he he was a little outnumbered, um, but uh, he he was all right. He was all right. Mm. So. And then uh, Wilson on the right-hand side, um, again, like you say, looks a shadow of the player that he does for Wales. And is that due to the position that he's in, just penned down to that right flank? Yeah, I think so. I don't think he's quite mastered that position no. yet. Yeah. It might not be beyond him to master it. He seems like he's a bright lad. Um, but he, he's not in any way, shape or form a proper winger at the moment and mm. uh, or a wide midfielder. Um, and... He didn't get a chance to come in the pitch much yesterday, and so therefore he was always doing something that's not his greatest strength, and it showed, and he was withdrawn. And also he switched off on the run that Traore made. Yes, he did. Although had he switched on, he wouldn't have caught him. Mm. No, he was so quick, wasn't yeah. he? He's, Someone he, had to he be closer a, to him. Yeah. He was a bit flat-footed, but even still, I mean, Traore is so pacey. We, yeah. uh, Jeff actually pointed him out last week as being one of the sort of star men for them. So you're giving him a four. On the other side, Fraser, again, didn't impress you. No, I just think it's... Well, I think it, uh, he looked injured. He limped from five minutes before half-time to the 90th minute, mm. which which made me wonder why 
they didn't take him off. I, yeah. I think it was because of, I think he wanted to make a point to Wilson about not doing the defensive work. Um, but in reality, I don't think Fraser did an awful lot in the game because he looked, he had a knee injury, so he didn't play for Scotland and he limped on that same knee all, all the second half yesterday. Mm. I think um, had Solanke not tugged his hamstring at half time, yeah. he'd have been on for Fraser after about 10 minutes of yeah. that second half. So. And then uh, Philip Billing. Um, you said it was the performance that Huddersfield fans warned us about. Uh, very ponderous, almost seemed lethargic. And as you say, once he got that yellow card, he yeah. he just doesn't play to 100% like Jefferson Lerma does. He's he's almost at 50. Yeah, I thought, I mean, uh, I don't think I've seen him play badly. So I think you've got to just say it was, you know, it's, it, it'd be harsh to criticise him. But he just, um, Huddersfield fans said that he'll have games where he looks like he doesn't want to be there. Mm. And I, up until yesterday I thought I don't know what on earth they're talking about mm. but then yesterday you saw that and you thought he didn't want to be there yeah, <laughs> but no, I'm sure he did I'm sure he did but he just he didn't look like he was in any way shape or form no. involved so um, I think Callum Wilson like uh, many of the AC Wolves players in the first half you know pretty poor I thought he was improved in the second but what score would you give him and how do you rate his performance yesterday a five so I give him a four for the first half six for the second half yeah. so five on an average he held the ball up a lot better in the second half, but he had a reason to hold it up because he had someone near him to mm. give it to. So um, Fraser and Danjuma coming in to help him in a front three meant that there was a point in holding it up. Whereas in the first half, he had to keep trying to turn because yeah. there was no one to give it to. And, and Callum Wilson is not a turner. He's no. someone that needs to be playing the way he faces. So, uh, so yeah, so he, he got better. Yeah, uh, nice to see uh, Lerma. We came on, uh, who came on. Uh, we've spoke about him. So you gave him a seven, which I think is you know fair. Um, showed a bit of fight. And then Dan Juma, what did you think of him when he came on? I thought it was a really bright spark. And he's been limited. We've been limited to seeing these sort of 10, 15 minute stints from him. Uh, but it was nice to see him for a full half. Yeah. And I, he really impressed me. No, he did me. He, he, I mean, yesterday was the first time we've seen him play in the position he plays in. So he plays either as a... One of a loose front three, or he can also play um, with a centre forward as a central forward, um, but the cleverer one, not the out-and-out striker. And he did a bit of both in the second half yesterday. Where we've seen him before in cameos, he's come on in wide midfield and he's had to defend. Yeah. And I just don't think he quite looks. He'd look poor against Newcastle, I thought. Um, whereas yesterday he was in his right right place, and all the tricks came out. And some of the tricks he did on the opposite stand to us um, over by the main stand was superb in the yeah. second half um, so yeah hopefully I mean he, he, he's he got a great pedigree mm. he should be someone that should be starting you would you would argue mm. interesting yeah so thank you very much Neil uh, for your player ratings there who knows what they're going to be after the Spurs game Jeff's going to be back with me previewing that shortly but here's a bit of bonus news for you So a number of people have asked me for an update on what is going on at the AFC Bournemouth training complex at Canford Magna. I haven't had a chance to get down there, but if you subscribe to our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash AFCB podcast, there will be another video update coming this week. But I have popped down there and also been taking a look at some of the forums as well. And yeah, we're all of the opinion that work is being done. And you can see that on uh, some photos that are on the Vital Forum and 
as I say, do check out the video content because we will be showing you what's happening. And that includes some reprofiling of the land. Now, there is some activity which is outside the boundaries of the training ground, but that has nothing to do with what's going on within it. We had confirmation uh, by chatting to a guy that owns the land. It was only part of it that was sold to AFC Bournemouth. But there is work going on all over the place. So don't be confused if you see diggers outside of the site. Now, inside the boundaries, you will see on the Pool Council website that there are various pictures that have been marked. Now, the ones S2, S3 and S4... There's a lot of diggers and a lot of flattening of the training pitches. And also there is some re-landscaping and reprofiling of the land where the main pavilion is going to be as well. At the moment, it's not any bricks and mortar going on. But of course, this is a huge area of land at the training pavilion. Uh, it's a massive site. And if you have a look through the environmental reports there, there is a lot of reprofiling of the land to do. And, uh, you know, the foundations need to be laid. There's drainage channels that need to be going in. So there's going to be a lot going on before any bricks are laid. I think it's a, sim a very simplistic uh, view that you know you can just turn up and lay bricks on the ground. And there's a lot of sceptical people on the forums that because they haven't seen any of that, they don't really think that much is going on. But there is, I can tell you. So if you actually want to check out what's going on at Camford Magna, well, you can just drive in. Um, when you actually drive up Magna Road, there's that little dip, the housing estate opposite, and you'll see a sign uh, for Camford Magna Sang, which is suitable alternative natural green space, which was uh, part of the deal why Barrett Homes, who built a load of homes opposite, they needed to create a natural green space. And there are other areas being opened up too as well. Um, you can drive up the lane and there is a, a dedicated car park and you can walk on through the gate at the bottom of the car park. And then if you if you bear to the left, and keep on walking, eventually uh, you'll see where the AFC Bournemouth Training Complex is on the left of where you can walk. It's all fenced off at the moment. Uh, you can also walk on the other side of it. So at the top of the car park, there's a gate which you can walk on through and there's another lane. And that is basically the other side of the training complex. And you can walk as far as you can uh, and then you'll see some CCTV and it fenced off at the end. But you get a good view of what is being done. Now, I'm sure that the club will provide a bit more information on what's going on as time goes on. But at the moment, really, it's just loads of diggers moving moving earth around. So there's only so much you can really say about that. But regardless, I will be going up there and providing uh, some more video content because I do think it's important that people are kept informed. And I'm sure that once there is um, some activity that, you know, that looks half decent, the club uh, will be getting some filming done up there too. So Cherries travel to the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium on Saturday. Unfortunately, it's not in the best form, as we know. However, um, it should be a great opportunity to say to see an incredible stadium. It looks immense. Um, I'll be getting there early and, and trying to take some like video uh, sort of footage and. 
get a lot of uh, vlog material for the day because uh, it, it just impresses me, that stadium. And uh, the team impressed me a little bit more um, as they beat uh, West Ham 3-2 in their last game. Well, they went 3-0 up, but then they conceded uh, a couple of late ones as well. And uh, what did you think of Jose's appointments? And would, uh, did you also see their match against West Ham, Jeff? Uh, mate, it's West Ham, though. Mm, yeah, Sorry, exactly. <laughs> um, <laughs> the, the, to to go three nil up. Um, well, okay, West Ham are really poor, and actually, unbelievably, it's the goalkeeper that is affecting the way West Ham are playing. I think mm. so. Um, you can't read too much into that, I and mean, he should have certainly saved one of those uh, yesterday. Um, and if he had a saved one of those, well, they would have equalised at the end, and it would have been two two. So, um, West Ham. Are, a bit tragic at the moment. Pellegrino, I think, could be probably what is about third or fourth in line for the, the bullet at the moment. Um, mm. So what can you read into that? Mourinho is uh, is a divisive character. Uh, I have a number of mates who support Spurs very passionately and uh, they're, a, they're split into a 50-50 camp. There are those who can't abide the appointment and think it's a disaster. There are those who think he wins trophies and mm. um, I, I think it's unfathomable that somebody from such a big Chelsea background could then go to Spurs, the you know, arch enemies wow. of, so. uh, of the Blues. Um, and I think it's hilarious that uh, people still think that Mourinho has got the magic special something or other because uh, anyone who saw the the way he he was at United will think, gee, you know, he's yesterday's man, he's yesterday's coach. Yeah. So having said all that, mm. new manager bounce. They won yesterday their first away victory since what February against Fulham or something, and mm. they are going to be at home. He's going to be out to impress. There'll be a big media circus attached to it. They'll be looking at uh, a home fixture against Bournemouth and think, yeah, you know, we'll rock up and we'll turn them over and we'll win that comfortably 3-4-5-0. In fact, I woke up this morning to a WhatsApp message from a Spurs fan saying, be afraid, be very afraid. Yeah, oh my goodness. So uh, what should we do then in terms of our formation? I mean, we, we know we need to play four at the back. Do we need to pack out the midfield and maybe put an extra person in there like Dan Gosling? Uh, because that may be the, the only option we have if Solanke, you know, isn't fit. Do we do that or do we go four four two? Selection's made a little bit easier because we know we can't have Phil Billing. He's carded, he's out. Um, we know that Lerma will be definitely recovered by his jet lag. Uh, from jet lag rather by then so mm. I think you've got to play you play Lerma you play Gosling and I think you play Lewis Cook in the centre and I think you probably play Fraser if he's fit because he carried a knock through much of that game yesterday maybe you play Dan Juma over there instead if yeah. Fraser's fit I think play Fraser and then play Dan Juma on the other side and count him up front 4-5-1 I think let's give that a go um, I think we haven't got a lot of options going forward. Um, it's going to be interesting to see who makes the bench even next week. Um, and I think we've just got to give it a bit more of a go, really. I, mm. Again, what what we are expecting is uh, we're expecting that to be a tough game and we're probably expecting to get zero points. So 
what did Sheffield United do there a couple of weeks ago? They played with a bit of self-belief. They took it to Spurs and they got a 1-1 draw and arguably should have won. I don't think Mourinho will have so much of an impact that it'll have changed them beyond all measure in the two weeks that he's been there. So they're, they're not that great at the back. We can get at them. They're good going forward. But let's give it a go. I'd, yeah. I'd be happy. As a Bournemouth fan, I'd be happy if we give it yeah. a go. So uh, I'm going to push you for some kind of prediction then, Jeff. Uh, what can you, can you be optimistic about it or are Spurs going to win this? So I'd like to be really optimistic um, and say a 2-2 draw, I think. Let's give it a go. Let's get a let's get a, a couple of goals. Let's start getting getting the vibe back of how we play. A bit of verve, bit of impetus, bit of bit of Callum Wilson scoring. Be nice. Mm. Yeah, it would be. I'm I'm gonna go for a one all. Um, optimistic. Uh, I I think it's gonna be a very difficult match. The atmosphere is gonna be uh, you know pretty pumping given it's uh, Jose's first sort of match at home. Um, Oh, I don't know. We'll have to see what happens during the week. But Jeff, once again, it's been an absolute pleasure to have you on. Pleasure, Sam. And uh, let's hope we're talking about a positive result next time. <laughs> So thanks once again for listening to another AFC Bournemouth podcast. Really appreciate your ears for the last X amount of minutes. We're going to have our answer to Do You Remember very shortly. But I keep on going to our Beer 52 link. Of course, we've talked about it before. If you go to beer52.com slash AFCB, you can basically get your hands on a free crate of craft beer. All you've got to do is cover the 4 postage. Now, it is a subscription service after that every month, but you can cancel after your very first crate, if you like. So um, you get eight free craft beers, but they do still have the two extra ones on there. So as well as your snack and your magazine, you get 10 beers for the price of less than a fiver. As I say, you can cancel or you can carry it on at the price of £24 a month, which will serve you nicely over Christmas however this is the last time we're going to mention this but it's just because they've not taken the offer away we were supposed to have it for two weeks but Beer 52 are basically the world's leading craft beer discovery club Uh, you'll get a magazine that details what beers you're going to get your first themed box is Korea and each purchase that you make also helps the podcast as well financially too So uh, this week uh, I bought a new camera. This is going to be used for vlogs. Whether it's going to be any good or not, I went for the cheaper range off Amazon. So God knows whether it's going to be any good, but if not, I'll just take it back. Um, However, that was purchased with money that's been generated through Beer 52. So all these kind of things that we bring you, um, hopefully they're good for you, but they're also good for us as well. And it's not like uh, I'm going out on the Raz. I'm spending money trying to buy things that are helping me to uh, improve content for this podcast and the YouTube channel. So go to beer52.com slash AFCB uh, to get your hands on some lovely craft beers, 4 95 postage and nothing more after that if you decide to cancel. Uh, yeah, really good. Beer52.com slash AFCB. So earlier in the program in Do You Remember, there are some brothers that have a connection with Spurs and Bournemouth. 
One of them played a significant amount of games for Spurs. The younger one uh, played about 58 games, I think, over the course of a few years. One of them played more than 400 games for AFC Bournemouth. The older brother was Mr Neil Young. Yeah, of course it was our beloved right back and his younger brother, Luke Young, uh, also a defender, uh, played for Tottenham Hotspur, that ended up going to Charlton, playing a hefty amount of games for them as well. But yep, we were looking for the Young brothers. The answer was Neil Young and Luke Young. Congratulations if you got that. If you've got any ideas for future questions for Do You Remember, do get in touch. I'd love to hear any different questions that you think would be good amongst the AFC Bournemouth listening public. So really looking forward to going to the Spurs Stadium. On our YouTube channel, we're going to be doing some good video content in and around the stadium because it just looks superb and hanging around afterwards too uh, to see and hear what it's all about. We'll hopefully bring you the best on next week's podcast. Thanks for listening. This has been Back of the Net. The AFC Bournemouth podcast. Ryan Fraser delivers right footed to the front post. Flicked on by Steve Cook and into the far corner. Bournemouth back in the game. It may have taken a deflection on its way into the goal, but the Cherries won't care. They're down to 10 men, but they reduce the deficit to just one. Bournemouth one, Wolves two. Podcast Network. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.